afternoon, good evening, and or good night, and welcome to the 19th episode of Courageous Theology. My name is Drew Temple, and I'm your jibba-jabba host, Take you on a journey of mind-bending, fun-filled, theology-laden listening while you relax, commute, or work around the house. On today's episode, I interview Joseph Spurgeon, and Joey and I have been friends since college. He was even the best man in my wedding, and I was an usher in his wedding. He currently serves as the pastor of Sovereign King Church, a church plant in Indiana. He is also instrumental in anti-abortion ministry, which is what we spend the bulk of our interview talking about today. So be sure to sit back, relax, it's a long one, and here we go. Alright, so first before we get started here, I just want to let everyone know that it's a very windy day here in West Virginia. Um, So if you hear some wind blowing or windows rattling or anything like that, that's kind of of what's going on. Uh, About 70 mile an hour gusts going on outside, so uh, we'll see how well that goes. But uh, I have Joseph Spurgeon here on the line with me. Uh, Joey and I have have gone back uh, a long time. Uh, We met uh, when we were both in college um, and part of a campus ministry at Marshall University called Revolution. Joey was uh, the best man and DJ in my wedding. Um, I was in his wedding, uh, to which I received my first and only Hawaiian shirt <laughs> that, uh, that, that no longer fits, but for a different reason than it no longer fit on that day. Um, I couldn't button it up, and now it's like a huge, like, moo-moo, basically. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I have Joey here. So just, uh, Joey, say hi. Tell us a little bit about yourself and... Yeah, hello. My name is uh, Joey or Joseph or Joe, whatever you want to call me. But uh, I live or right now. I live in Clarksville, Indiana. I'm a church planter, pastor of a church called Sovereign King Church in Sellersburg, Indiana. It's just it's literally just you kind of walk across a bridge from Louisville, so it's about ten minutes from Louisville, and. Uh, we're planting a church. Actually, this coming Sunday, we're having our our initial Sunday morning worship services are starting. We've been meeting for about a year and uh, getting excited to start our Sunday morning worship. So, yeah, I uh, met Drew. Met you, Drew, there at uh, Marshall University, and um, it's been it's been a interesting thing since then that God has uh, just really. I'm sure both of us have been quite changed and in good ways since then. You've uh, lost a lot of weight. I think I've probably picked it up, but uh, <laughs> uh, working on that, we're doing the the same uh, keto diet you're doing. I think. Oh yeah. Oh nice. Yep. Yeah, it, it helped out a lot, man. So good. But thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, man. Good. I'm I'm glad you're here, and thanks for. Uh... Thanks for coming on. Um, so one of the things I really wanted to focus on, um, and we'll get into some other stuff too, but one of the things I wanted to focus on in our interview today um, is talking about um, the abortion ministry that you're uh, really involved in, um, or not abortion ministry, that really sounds bad, anti-abortion ministry um, that you're involved in. And uh, and if you can just kind of tell us about that, how you got involved, um, it's P82 um, Ministries and just how that kind of all fleshed out and, and what do you do? Yeah. So, uh, 
you know, I moved to Louisville about seven years ago, um, not long after got married where you had that Hawaiian shirt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I, you know, I moved to Louisville to go to seminary, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. While I was here, I met a, a guy named Mickey. Uh, actually, I worked with his wife. And um, it was a Friday evening, and he asked me, he said something about like his church was going to the abortion uh, the abortion clinic in the morning to do some ministry. He asked if I wanted to go with him. I mean, he wanted to go, but he didn't want to go by himself. And uh, I had just just had our first daughter uh, about three or four weeks before we just had our first child, my wife and I, and was uh, just kind of floored to just to really think about it. Like, so I grew up pro life. Grew, you know, had been pro-life pretty much my whole life. But from being from West Virginia, there's not a lot of abortion clinics in West Virginia, and so you just don't you don't really think about it. You think of you think of the pro-life issue as maybe something you do when you vote every few few years, and 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 or maybe you make some debates about it on Facebook. But when when he when he said that, like, wait a second, there's actually an abortion clinic where they kill babies in the town where I'm at. And of course I'll go. So the the next day, uh, I went with him the very next day, that the next morning, and went out there. And man, it was it was just mind blowing. Um, I've been out there so many times now that everything has kind of slowed down. But that very first day there, it was like everything was just going so fast. Like you have people in orange vests who are they call themselves escorts, and they they cuss and and they try to block you and then you have these women coming in some in tears some just saying i mean I, that first day i remember this woman saying yes i'm gonna effing murder my baby you can't do anything to stop it and you're just like whoa this and it's just you see women after women coming woman after woman coming into the uh, abortion clinic and men leading them in there and it was uh and it was overwhelming, just the amount of evil, just to really see it. And and then to think, you know, when I, I went home to, to hold my four-week-old daughter, and just to see, like, here, I'm holding a brand-new baby in my arms, and I had just been to a place where babies were killed, where children were murdered, and it had a pro- profound impact on me. Um to the point of the when I first went to seminary, I, I wanted to be a professor. I wanted to uh, teach. I wanted to get a PhD, and and going down to this abortion mill just changed all of that. Uh, doing evangelism on the streets, uh, I got to do some street preaching because of that, and it all just really it impacted me in a major way. From going to want to be in like this sterile classroom professor type environment to to uh wanting to be a pastor wanting to be a preacher wanting to be involved in evangelism and helping people and uh so since that 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 initial saturday that i went i I kept going back there was a group called speak for the um the unborn and I would go with them, and then I met another guy named Matt Brown, 
down there, and he was a part of a group um, that he had started called the Abolitionist Society of Louisville. He asked me to join with him, and uh, we went and did some street preaching. Then uh, just, uh, I guess, some of the difference between the Speak for the Unborn, the Abolitionist Society at the time, was we did street preaching when we used graphic images and hold signs, and we stood a little closer to the abortion clinic when we uh, we did ministry. And so God just kind of uh, allowed me to step in into some leadership there. And uh, they were connected with uh, an, a group called AHA. And we just came to the realization after about a year or so that uh, we, we really think the, uh, the abortion ministry ought to be under the authority of a local church or local churches that people involved in this ministry need to be connected with local churches. And uh, we just, we just thought it'd be better for our group to have to disassociate with the, the AHA stuff. And we can talk about why later on, but uh, so we formed a group called Psalm 82 ministries from Psalm 82. And it, and Psalm 82 says, uh, it's God, it's the beginning, it's God calling into his courts. He calls them gods, but he's calling basically leaders, just judges, magistrates, and authorities before him into his courts and says, why have you not done justice? Why have you not protected the, the weak and the needy? And he, he, commands, he commands his people to protect the weak and the needy and the fatherless. And so... We've adopted that psalm kind of as our theme psalm and uh, started Psalm 82 Ministries, which is really, it's a, uh, it's kind of just a ministry underneath our church plant where we were planting the church called Sovereign King Church. And so God has used us at Psalm 82 Ministries. We've, uh, and we've been able to have a, a pretty large impact, see women um, change their minds uh, at least once a month. Uh, for a year or so, we've seen several women change their months, change their minds uh, once a month or so. Um, it's been just such a blessing to let the see to see that, and then also just to see how it's impacted uh, the lives of the people that uh, God's brought into into our into our ministry. Uh, we met a couple men down at the abortion clinic who actually are now uh, planting the church with me. And so God actually used the abortion ministry to lead into the church plant. And then, uh, um, so that's kind of where we're at. As part of this ministry, we got involved with a group called Operation Save America. And uh, they're a national organization. So if we're a local group, they're the, 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 the national group. And we hosted a national event this past summer in Louisville. With the, we had Christians from all over the country. We had up to a thousand people. I think at one meeting um, where we had different Christians from just all over uh, trying to put an end to abortion, and that was just an amazing event. I can talk more about that as we go. If you got any questions or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, why don't you just tell us a little bit about that event that you uh, that you all put on with Operation Save America? Yeah, so Operation Save America used to be called Operation Rescue uh, back in the, the 80s and early 90s. And the um, reason was they uh, it kind of started out as a group pretty broad, actually, um, 
coalition of Christians and uh, they would uh, sit down in front of abortion clinics and, and do what they called rescues, uh, chain themselves to the abortion clinic, handcuff themselves together, do civil disobedience. And um, at some point in the 90s, they had, uh, I mean, thousands and thousands of people doing this, getting arrested in, in different places. You can actually go and look at videos of, of this happening, and it became quite successful at seeing a lot of abortion clinics get shut down. Um, God used it to, to, to give people opportunity to share the gospel and see people saved, and, including um, God used the ministry of Operation Save America, Operation Rescue, to, uh, to see uh, several people that were instrumental in, in our country to getting abortion legal were saved. The guy that started a group called NARAL, um, which is a huge uh, pro-abortion group, he was converted, and he actually put out a video called The Silent Scream. He was a doctor who had done thousands of abortions, and he put out a video that I recommend people look at and watch. It's very gruesome. It's an ultrasound of a, an abortion, and, uh, man, it, it'll break your heart. But uh, God used Operation Save America in that. He used... Operation Save America to to reach Roe, if you know Roe from uh, Roe v. Wade. Uh, her name was Norma, and um, just through some of the ministry and testimony there, she she converted um, and was baptized by the the leaders of Operation Save America. And so they've been around for a while. They have a director now. His name's Rusty Thomas, and and. Uh, one of the, the some of the tactics have changed. In the '90s, Bill Clinton was president. They uh, passed a law that made it a felony to sit down in front of an abortion clinic, and and that kind of put it into that tactic, uh, at least for the time being. But uh, so that we got involved with Operation Save America. What they'd like to do is pick a city and come in, help raise up leaders within the city, try to bring attention to it. Uh, to the issue and, and do a lot of uh, street preaching, evangelism, exposing evil around the uh, city. And uh, so we met with Rusty about a year before our event and we started planning. And then uh, actually in last May, uh, the, the Sunday before Mother's Day, I mean the Saturday before Mother's Day, um, they did a rescue at, in Louisville. And uh, we had 11. 11 people that, that were willing to sit down and, and uh, in front of the abortion clinic, and they were arrested. Um, the purpose behind that was really to send a message to the governor and the legislators of Kentucky. Um, we've been, one of the re ways that the Operation Save America got involved in Kentucky was through a congressman or a, a state representative of of Kentucky had reached out and purchased about a thousand copies of a book called The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate, and uh, that's a book put out by Matt Trewella, who's a he's a part of Operation Save America, and and it's a book uh, really just it's it's not nothing new, but it's just reteaching this doctrine that's really found throughout the scriptures that whatever a higher magistrate, a higher leader, like a president or a Supreme Court, 
issues a ungodly or unconstitutional or unbiblical command, the the magistrates beneath them, the lesser magistrates, have the duty to obey God rather than man, and they have a duty to stand in the gap and protect the people from the ungodly, unbiblical commands of the higher authority. And so we've we've been trying to teach that to the, the state of Kentucky. And here we had a state representative buy a thousand copies or more, and he started distrib- distributing them to different people within the state. And uh, so that happening really got the attention of Rusty Thomas and was like, yeah, we're coming to Kentucky. And so we met with the governor of Kentucky a couple times and encouraged him to do his duty to put an end to abortion, to to defy the tyrannical Supreme Court. And then, uh, so back going back to that May thing, we had a, the rescue there where 11 people were arrested. And God used that vent that that those people willing to sacrifice their freedom, possibly their fi- you know their finances, uh, in a major way, in our city, um, police were impacted. I can remember some police officers telling us after that that day that uh, they they told us they should have done what the rescuers did, that it should have been them doing it. And we had other police officers saying, "Yes, you made your point very clearly." We we see it, and we and we had one guy. It was uh, um, he he was uh, he retired. His his last day of retirement was the last day of our national event, and I can just remember he saw a baby being rescued. Somebody changing their mind, and how an impact that made on him. And so, because of that rescue, and I think because Kentucky only has one abortion clinic left, and we have a governor who is who is I believe wants to see it shut down. Um, God has really just used that to launch us into our national event where it was a week-long event of uh, people from all around the country, people from around the state of Kentucky coming, going to the abortion clinic, going in throughout the city, and uh, just some of the things that had happened uh, were uh, just pretty amazing. For instance, the uh, the Tuesday Tuesdays at the abortion clinic is when they open. They're not open Sunday or Monday. So Tuesday, the abortion clinic opened, and usually on a Tuesday, we call it Terrible Tuesdays because there's usually like 25 or so abortions on that day. I mean, just a ton of babies being murdered on that day. And the week that we did our national event, where we had about a hundred people outside the abortion mill, there were three. There were only three, which is still heartbreaking and sad. But God allowed there to only be three on that Tuesday, and then Wednesday was unheard of. There was actually zero abortions. Zero people went in, which is there was a there's a Catholic guy that stands outside the abortion clinic. He's been out there for 25 years, and he said that's the first time that they've that they've been open and no one has gone in. And so that whole week, their numbers were extremely low. And going into it, I was tempted to think, well, the the week after that, they'll just like be really inflated. But it wasn't the case. They kind of did go swim up back to normal on the numbers. But that week, the numbers were so low. But also that week, we got to, um, we got to really impact 
the nations and 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 around the nation um because of that i've been basically interviewed by every news outlet known to man whether it's the new york times the washington post um a japanese the tokyo times or whatever uh i've actually had two different documentary crews into my house from one from denmark and one from germany to film my family and i doing worship to film me at the abortion clinic and and then they broadcast those on on the channels over in countries where i've never been it's just been amazing to see how God has used, just use people being faithful, just using the church showing up uh, to really make an impact all around the world. There was a documentary, Vice did a documentary the week of our national event, and um, they were very, I wasn't very happy with how they, 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 they twisted everything, but yet still the gospel went forth even into England. And, and so, uh, God used that national event to bring media attention, to see babies saved. We we uh, we also there was a there was a couple. That this is probably my favorite story to tell from the national event. Is uh, there was this couple? Um, well, let me back up just a second. So we were out out beside the courthouse or the city hall. And we uh, we we had a big jumbotron that that uh, a group had rented for us, and was basically showing the city what abortion looks like. This big jumbotron was playing video of lie of abortion, uh, and and what it looks like. So you you see the children being harmed, and it's to expose. It's nothing that we like looking at, but it's to expose the sin and the wickedness of that to the people. And so we were outside city hall busy intersection with with that jumbotron and then all these they call themselves you know counter protesters bunch of atheists i mean dressed up like wicked came to that trying to carry balloons and playing musical instruments and and it was actually us with a group of kids like high schoolers maybe some middle schoolers over there just preaching with a group of kids and then all these people dressed up um like uh, just in, in all kinds of wicked stuff, dressed up in sat Satanist shirts. There was a, a, a one woman dressed up with like uh, her pants were painted like she'd had her period, and it was just uh, it was just crazy. Uh, I guess just this picture of good and evil. You have children singing Christian songs, and then you have people dancing and then they were playing music of like 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 um really like profanity profane and and foul um sexually charged music and like grinding and then children singing christian songs and praying and in the midst of all this like it was like almost like a circus <laughs> there's so much stuff going on this couple came up to me and they had a uh, stroller, and they, I thought they were actually part of our group, a part of Operation Save America. They looked like they could have fit right in, looked like Christians. And they came up to me, and he was like, do you remember me? And I said, uh, I'm sorry, I don't. There's so many people here from Operation Save America, and I've met so many people. You know, I, I don't 
remember where are you from and he said no no i'm not part of your group he said i was here the day that you guys got arrested i was outside the jail and so he was actually outside the jail when our people got arrested and we went to the jail to wait on them and i remember meeting him and he was he was that day he was very disheveled he 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 looked like someone who was on drugs and um and i remember just talking with him and, he, and the problem was his wife was in the jail and she was in the jail because about a year previously she had a she had stolen something from a place and they had uh, given her a court date and when the court date happened she was also pregnant and had had was in the hospital giving birth and she gave birth and uh there was lots of complications she uh she almost died was on a ventilation tube the baby was in the NIC unit but then she so she missed the court date and she recovered and when she recovered they threw her in jail for missing the court date which was crazy hmm. here he is his his brand new baby is in the the um in the hospital still in the NIC unit he's outside the jail trying to get his wife out of jail and we're we're there and so i remember praying with him we shared the gospel with him we get we got in contact with our attorney that we we, we had and um and then my church plant uh, we followed up with him and put together a care package of diapers and things and we took it to the hospital and um, i took it to the hospital later on that week and he wasn't there he is out with his wife uh, or trying to still get his wife. So I left the package with him, with the hospital people, with his baby. And that was the last I had heard of him until that day outside of our national event. Here he comes, completely looking completely different, his wife looking different, and they've got the baby. And he says, do you remember me? And then he starts telling me. I'm like, yeah, I remember you. And he said, he said we saw you on TV. We had to come down here and tell you. We wanted to thank you because your prayers were answered. God got my wife out of jail and we both started going to church and both of us have gotten saved and we've gotten off the drugs. And I mean, when he said that, it was, I still get teary eyed just thinking about it. Like not knowing. All right, well, I said it was a, a windy day here and I don't know what's maybe going on, but we had some technical difficulties there and uh, uh, Joey got dropped from the call, but uh but he's back on now, so so Joey, go ahead and uh, go from where you were. Start over on how you want to handle that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know where we left off. I think we left off with just the the guy saying that his uh, uh his life had been changed. Just uh, yeah. man, that, that was like, I mean, that was just amazing to me to see how God worked, and and for me, that's one of my favorite stories from our national event. Uh, I mean, there's there's lots of different things to be able to tell. And uh, people can actually go online and look at different the, the footage. You can see some of those documentaries I was talking about, or you can just type my name into Google, and, and you'll see how many times I get called a terrorist or something like that in the media. But uh, just it's amazing that God's been just used, used, used just our feeble efforts to take the gospel and, and see people's lives saved and, and change. And uh, that's really what we're, we're all about. And so 
Uh, yeah, man, well, that, that's, uh, that's awesome. Uh, so we'll have a, a link um, in the show description for uh, the book that Joey mentioned, The Doctrines of the Lesser Magistrates, um, also a link to the YouTube video of the, the silent scream. Um, and I mean, I think Joey even mentioned this, but it is a graphic video. So, I mean, just, just make, make yourself aware of that. Um, and, uh, and hopefully some links to uh, some of the documentaries that Joey mentioned as well that he's uh, featured in, um, especially the one from Denmark. I think that's the one that I, I, I've seen. Uh, it, was, it was pretty interesting. Um, and, uh, and not, not that you were a part of this one, but we'll also link to the, uh, to the Vice clip that um, uh, Apologia uh, Church in uh, Tempe, Arizona was featured in. Um, yeah, I'm, well. I'm actually in that for a second. They interviewed me for a brief second. <laughs> oh, are you okay? I must have missed that then. It, it's a. It, have you seen the whole video? Because it's in the whole video. I just uh, saw the one. I guess that they put up with the the guy doing like his commentary routine throughout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to. If you can send me the link, or I'll hunt it down. Uh, we can we can get that added in the show notes as well. Um. But um. Yeah. So I mean, one of the things you mentioned, uh, and I kind of want to touch on it a little bit. Uh, I don't know how much you want. You really want to dive into it, um, but I, I think a lot of times, uh, at least in the Christian circles, um, people look at um, you know, those of you who are staying outside of abortion clinics or abortion mills and um, you know protesting and, and praying with people and begging for them not to go in to, to murder their children. Um, and one of the groups that they often come in contact with or that often comes to mind is AHA. Um, and I know I have my, uh, issues with AHA, but, um, I, I, I know you had said that you guys were initially a part of, or at least associated with them. Um, and then you're not now. So if, if you want to touch on that a little bit, uh, why that disassociation has been, uh, been made at this point. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, like I said, the, I think I said the main thing was we believe our, the, we wanted the abortion ministry to have some accountability. And we wanted it to be under uh, a local church, and we really wanted it to. Um, so, as Psalm eighty two, we're specifically Reformed believers, Reformed Christians, and we do abortion ministry, but we also do street preaching. Like for instance, we've gone to gay pride parades and and uh, have preached. And in fact, those are some of my favorite things to to. Uh, preach at because people are just hungry for the gospel they're they're actually hungry to have conversations and and hear um which um it, it's kind of an amazing thing when you go there because you're seeing such wickedness such evil on display and yet in that there are people that are hurting that need that need to have christians love them enough to tell them that what what you're doing is wrong god will judge it and yet God has made a way for you to escape his judgment in Jesus Christ. And so um, so the part of the way the reason we, we formed PA2 was to be more expansive than just the, the abortion issue, but also to be under a local church. We've tried to be intentional and in not being anti-AHA. I mean, there, there are theological, there's some differences. Um, we're not we're not big fans of the Church Repent Project. I don't know if your listeners know what that is, but um, 
it's uh, we do believe that the church has much to repent about, and how the church has been um, has uh, kind of outsourced the abortion ministry in many ways. Um, churches have just thrown a few dollars in the baby bottles, and then they give it to Catholics or to to head up pro life causes and stuff like that. And we think that the the Church of Jesus Christ actually is what will put an end to abortion when the Church of Jesus Christ rises up and um, and begins sending people to the abortion clinics, uh, getting involved in the, the, the issues of the magistrates and the leaders, the civil leaders, starts preaching to the civil government. And when Christians start just engaging every area of life with the gospel, and so we do believe the church needs to repent, but... Uh, some of the ways that they've done that, the AHA, have, uh, we believe, have been dishonoring to God. And so we, we're not associated with, with that. Though there are people that within AHA that we've worked with. And, um, and so we, we've, we've not wanted to make a big deal about that. <laughs> we just we wanted to be able to have our, our ministry be under a local church. And wanted to be able to uh, um, do more expansive things. Yeah, no. I, so, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know how familiar my listeners are with with AHA or the um, the Church Repent Project, but I know, like, I guess for me personally, that was my biggest turnoff with uh, with AHA was was that specifically, and to where I saw a lot of maybe hypocrisy there of people not being involved even in local churches um, and then standing outside of churches on a Sunday morning and, and telling everyone that's going in that they need to repent of their sin. Um, just kind of, I don't know, threw me off. Um, yeah. And here's, so, here's, yeah. here's the danger that, so uh, danger for anybody that gets involved in abortion ministry <clears throat> or it, really any ministry, any ministry, whether it's abortion ministry or what, is for God gives you a heart and a passion for it. And then you look around and you see the church in general broadly, or those who claim to be the church broadly, are not engaged in many different of the battles. And you can get really frustrated. Or you can become very myopic in your, your view of like, it's only about abortion ministry. This is the number one thing. And if nobody else cares about it the same way I do, they're all... They're all sinning, mm-hmm. and there is this balance there between, yes, the church needs to repent. Yes, the church needs to get involved more, but God, Jesus Christ died for his church, and churches, uh, the, the, the universal, the invisible church made of believers all around, <clears throat> uh, true believers all around the, the, the world, and then it is made up it has a visible distinction part of it as visible element of the church, and that's made up of local churches. That's made up of believers and 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 their families. And uh, God has equipped the local churches to, to carry out all kinds of different ministries. And and so to go stand outside of Joel Osteen's church building, where they're not really a church, and to call in repentance. I'm perfectly fine with to go stand outside of a local reformed church that that is engaged with that that sends people to the abortion clinic 
that is engaged with raising families and and preaching the gospel that's foolishness to me and that that is um to me it's breaking the commandment to not bear false witness and so that's why um i think we just have to be very careful that when we get into you get into any 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 ministry but especially in particular the abortion ministry that you don't lose your love for the church because there's some things that happen uh, you get involved in the abortion ministry it's a very um it's conflict it's battle it's fight and the church today in america doesn't like battle conflict and fight in fact I would say that like 90% of my time in seminary was teaching me how not to have fights in church. And, and and yet God has called us and equipped us to do to engage in the battle and engage in fights. And so you can kind of look weird to people, just the normal people in the church. Uh, or and And there can be in your mind and in their mind this kind of antagonism towards each other. And so you really have to work hard to love the church, to love the people in the church, and and to, and to encourage them to come alongside and to see, okay, yeah, this is a battle that we're called to fight in. And uh, I, th- I think it's interesting what you said there about you know most of your time at um, at Southern being being spent uh, not uh, or figuring out how to not be engaged in fights. Um, you know, I think a lot of times and and this isn't just true of, of American culture, it's true of other cultures as well, but um, I think it plays out in a, in a different sort of way in America um, that really we see uh, any kind of conflict whatsoever as being such a, a negative thing, but conflict really is just um, people having different ideas and coming together and, you know, going with those ideas, you know, discussing those ideas together. Um, and, you know, a lot of times there is a push toward, you know, uh, a, a resolution to where, you know, if you sit down with, um, with, with an atheist, you know, obviously as a, as a believer, your, your goal is to, um, you know, help them and, and, and basically show them and get them to see Christ for who he is. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's going to be a conflict because you have differing worldviews that you're bringing to the, the table. Um, and so I think, uh, a lot of times, and, uh, even what so much, and I, I was thinking about this and I don't know, there's some debate on, on back and forth, whether or not he's a believer or not. I, I tend to lead more towards the, to the, the thought that he's not a believer, but, um, of Jordan Peterson, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with him. Um, a, uh, he was a professor in, uh, Toronto. I think he might still be a professor. Um, but basically he was bucking against the, um, you know, the force use usage of, of certain language as far as it pertains to, you know, pronouns. Um, and he, you know, kind of his overall thing was, you know, if a student comes to me and they say, Hey, you know, I would prefer if you call it, you know, a biological female comes to me and says, I would like you to refer to me as a, he, he said, you know, I may or may not do that. Like I, I'm, I'm, I would probably take that on an individual basis, but you know, for the government to come in and step in and say that it's a crime for me not to bend to the whim of of someone's language preference, he says, you know, it's just it's nonsense. And we 
we as a society, and, and that's a Canadian society, obviously, which is different, but, um, you know, we as a society look and see like, okay, well, if this person has a, a different view than I do on X, Y, or Z subject that, um, that we actually can't even have a conversation and, and their part of the conversation actually needs to be shut down because there can't be the conflict there. There can't be a differing op opinion or worldview. It has to be all um, homogenous and having the same kind of uh, bent towards thinking, which, you know, I think we can, we can look throughout history and, uh, you know, like George Orwell's 1984 and, and see that that's, you know, a very dangerous thing. And I think that, you know, a biblical worldview is going to rail against that so much more readily than maybe even just a, a an atheistic or um, agnostic worldview would, um, which I, I believe kind of, you know, like I said, Jordan Peterson's maybe coming from actually, um, if not maybe just like a therapeutic deism. Um, so what you're saying is he's a bigot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and that's kind of the, th the thing too, of like, um, you know, you have a, a differing opinion with someone and all of a sudden you're, you're Hitler or you're a bigot or, um, you know, just an intolerant human being. But really what it comes down to is, is you're approaching the world with differing lenses. And, um, I, I mean, I think there, they, obviously there needs to be, um, some, <laughs> yeah, allowance for that. Um, there needs to be some allowing for the differing lenses. Um, I, I know, and, and I kind of actually, maybe this leads into something else I want to talk to you about, um, is, uh, is you're a theonomist. Um, so, uh, kind of how would, how would you view that? How would you see that play out? Um, how would I see exactly what, what play out? So, um, I guess like the, the differing, uh, viewpoints or, I mean, at first, if you can just maybe give a brief, um, description of theonomy because I, I threw that term out there without, yeah. without realizing that you know there might be people listening that have no idea what that word even means so yeah man just it, it the word itself is actually from uh, theo which means god and namas which is law so it means god's law and um the basic gist of it is uh that you know that god's word god's commands are to be obeyed and they are, they they apply to every area of life, and that includes the civil government. I mean, that's the the broad overview of it. Um, specifically, actually, when many people think about theonomy, they think about um, how does the the Old Testament civil law apply to our 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 civil law today? And there's some debate and and differences in it, but the basic idea. Is that uh, you know when Jesus said that do not think that I I came to abolish the law uh, or the prophets he said I did not come to abolish them I came to fulfill them and then he goes on to say that uh, anyone who teaches anyone to uh, to uh, disregard even the least of the commandments is least in in the kingdom of God and so first of all let me say that you know as as Christians we believe that we're not saved by law keeping um <clears throat> that was the error of 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 the judaizers the error of of the jews is that um well, well really two errors one is that they thought that just because they had the law 
they were given the law by Moses and they had it, therefore they were good. And um, it, you almost can say, just because I was baptized, I was good. I'm good. I'm I'm safe and 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 I'm I'm in God's kingdom. And the other aspect is. I've got to do X, Y, and Z to be part of God's kingdom and you know, to be saved. And, and nothing can be further from the truth because the, 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 the demands of God's moral law, the, the Ten Commandments, and all the way that outplays all itself out um, is so exacting, it, 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 it damns us because, <coughs> excuse me a second, it, uh, it places us at odds with God because we've rebelled against his commandments. The Bible says that uh, that uh, sin is lawlessness. and um, Or there's a catechism question, what is sin? It's any transgression of God's law. And the thing is, we've broken God's commands, every one of us, and we deserve his judgment. We deserve his wrath. And so uh, the, uh, our salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. And so... Um, just very importantly, everybody knows this, saved by grace, not of works. Um, no amount of keeping God's law will enter us into the kingdom. And that's primarily because we don't keep God's law. We, we fail at it. We've broken one. And once you've broken one, you've broken them all. And so we need the very grace of God who justifies us, makes us right with God. Um, we are we are declared righteous because Jesus Christ is righteous. And because he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins. And then he, he uh, it's this great exchange that happens. He, he takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. And so we're declared righteous. But the rest of our life then is what we call sanctification. It's being made holy. It's being made into what God has declared us to be. If we've been declared to be righteous, the rest of our life is us growing into that righteousness, uh, which will finally be complete when we die or, or God returns and we're glorified. But so the law then, the law, um, the reformers said that the law had three purposes. And the first purpose which I've been talking about is to drive us to, to God. It's to drive us to Christ. We are when we, when we see God's commandments throughout the Bible, and we see our failure. We see how how they not only d demand our outward conformity, but they demand our heart. And we realize that we've broken God's commands. We we are driven. It's a schoolmaster to drive us to Christ. But the, the next thing that it does, this is the third use of the law. Uh, we'll talk about the second here in a sec because it's specific about theonomy. But the third use is now that we have new hearts, right? The, the, one of the promises of the new covenant is that he would write his law on our hearts. Uh, we've been given a, a new heart. We've been given a new spirit. We've been able to, we're in, being enabled to walk by the Holy Spirit. And and we grow in, in in holiness, and as we grow in holiness, we're growing to obey God's commands. We're growing to obey His moral law, His Ten Commandments, and and and, and you know the they're summarized in "You shall love the Lord your God, you shall love your neighbor," and then the Ten Commandments themselves really are are kind of like chapter heads. They summarize even the the fullness of the law, 
<laughs> for instance, when it says thou shalt not murder, what do we know what murder is? Well, we go and look at the rest of what God's word says. And so the third use of the law then is for us as Christians, how do we live? How do we live in light of, of, of um, what Christ has done for us? And so we, we seek to obey all of God's commands. And then so the, the second use, which is in between the first two, is this idea that God's law also works as a restraint or uh, uh, on culture and on the on on um, nations? The the threats of the punishment of God's law um, restrain wickedness, and so when God's law is enforced in the civil realm, um, when when for instance, you know, as Romans thirteen says that the civil magistrates are the the civil authorities that it calls them a deacon, calls them a minister of God to punish wickedness, to be an avenger of wrath. Um, that has the effect of restraining wickedness. Now, it doesn't save anyone, but it does keep people from acting out their most wicked desires, and that has a, that's good for everybody because that has a that has a, a that's good for loving your neighbor. So, um, you know, for instance. When murder is punished, right, when somebody murders someone and that murder is punished swiftly and quickly with the, with the full weight of the law, then that has a restraining impact on other other people who may have been tempted. Um, and so um, bringing that all back around. So the idea of theonomy then proper, that what people usually think of, is just the idea that God's law, the applies to the to different areas of life but specifically to uh the civil realm and how how the government should work and what laws should be in place to punish evil <coughs> and the um the basis of that is really looking at god's word whereas god revealed what crime what is crime well we see that in the old testament you see it in the new as well but he, he specifically gives He's given civil laws when he gave the when Moses gave the law, and so we go back and we see that in the New Testament, there's been some changes to the law in the sense of um, the nation of Israel doesn't exist. So the very specific laws that deal with the nation of Israel as a people, the laws from the Old Testament that deal with the land. The laws that that specifically or deal with like uh, the Jewish people as a particular people, they've been done away with because that nation doesn't longer exist. It was a temporary thing for that nation. But then there are laws that are broad across the whole human spectrum. For instance, murder is always a crime. Theft. Um, and you see there's others. And, and probably some of the more controversial are the idea of of adultery the sexual crimes it's it's controversial today that that sodomy is a crime but it's not that controversial in the history of the of the world or even the history of america um up until 1990s the 1990s so less than 30 years ago sodomy was a crime in in uh, almost all of the 50 states in fact, in, in, up until the 1960s, it was a capital crime, punishable by death. And, and, and that was based upon the word of God. Um, and so a theonomist just believes that the, the civil magistrates 
have the duty to obey God. They are, they have been called deacons by God. They are to to they've been given authority. We are to submit to them, and they are to exercise their authority in obedience with God. So that kind of describes that. That's a long, maybe a long answer for the question. So, but is that you have any? You can ask me any, any questions that I made clear as mud. <laughs> no, no, man, that, that's fine. That's uh, that's a actually pretty thorough, pretty thorough answer. Um, yeah, and so we're actually, uh, and and thank you for answering it the way you did. It was it was perfect. Um, you know how you laid out the the three uses of the law. It was, it was good. Um, so we're kind of winding down and wrapping up on time here. Um, so we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with more with uh, Joey. What's up, everybody? I know you've been looking for something fresh, something new. Well, your search is over because you found the bar. That's right. Biblical and Reformed. Every Tuesday, we drop a new episode, whether it's me and my crew talking about theology, current events, or even a great interview. You can find us at any podcast or just search Biblical and Reformed. Welcome to the bar. kind of been in the works and you know schedules haven't lined up uh, exactly right with either one of us so um I'm, I'm glad we were finally able to to do this it's been a long time since we actually kind of like talked to each other um it's it's been it's been too long um yeah and uh yeah so i mean one of the things i want to to ask you i, I asked this of uh, all of the guests um and i apologize for not preparing you for it um, but uh, what does it mean to you to be courageous? Well, here's the thing. Nobody's really courageous. <laughs> sure. uh, so we, we talk about courageous, uh, but uh, my favorite, my, I guess my favorite quote is, is I have this, actually I have a, it's, in, it's uh, somewhere in my house. I have this plaque. It's, it's a quote from John Wayne. And he says, courage is being scared to death and still getting on your horse and riding anyways. And so that's what I mean. Nobody's courageous. We're scared to death. So courage is being scared to death, but going anyways. It's it's fearful trust in God who is sovereign, trusting in him and obeying his commandments wherever they lead, whatever regardless of the results, and just trusting him. So that that's courage to me is you might be scared to death to go down to the abortion clinic. You might be scared to death to talk to your 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 coworker about Christ. And there's all all kinds of reasons you're scared to death. Maybe it's because you're afraid you're going to fail. And that's probably the biggest fear for mine is I'm going to fail and I'm going to screw it up. And you know what you do? Courage is doing it anyways. Even though you might fail, even though you probably will fail, you do it anyways and you learn from it and you do it again. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I think um, it's a pretty similar, uh, similar quote, but it's, it's about, I think it's just about bravery, but courage applies to this as well. But 
that you know bravery isn't the absence of fear it's being fearful and actually just doing it in any way um it's kind of the same thing what you were saying there with the the john wayne quote um so yeah that's that's good man that's (laughs) that's good i appreciate it um all right well uh joey um i'm gonna kind of just give you the the last little bit of time and uh yeah i mean let us know anything else you want us to know about about yourself or about um, your church plant um, or about uh, P82. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up from there. Yeah. So uh, Psalm 82, we do, we do monthly rallies at the abortion mill. We are working with some politicians behind the scenes here in Kentucky and, and in Indiana. And so we, we ask your listeners, if they want to uh, find out more, they can go on Facebook and there's a Facebook page for Psalm 82 ministry. Um, and then, or you can go to sovereignkingchurch.com and there you can find out more about PA2 ministries or about our church plant. And so I, I, I would just ask that you, if you had listeners that are, uh, in the Southern Indiana, Louisville area, come check out our church, get, get involved with us at PA2 ministries, or maybe you're just, you're at your church somewhere and you're like, how do I get involved with abortion ministry? How do I get involved with some of these things? And and you need some help. You, you can find me on Facebook as Joseph Randall Spurgeon, or you can go to SovereignKingChurch.com and you can send us a message. And we'll be very glad to help you get involved into the fight in any way that we can, whether it's the abortion ministry, church planting, uh, doing, um, we have people that do uh, foster care or any kind of ministry that, that God has called you to, we want to, we, and you need help. We'll we'll help help in any way we can. So look us up. Awesome, fantastic. Well, thanks, Joey. I appreciate uh, you again coming on, and uh, hopefully, I'll talk to you again soon, man. All right. God bless. All right. Bye. So, what are your thoughts on today's episode? Shoot me an email at courageoustheology at gmail dot com, or leave me a voicemail at three zero four four six zero. 8374. And who knows, maybe I'll read or play your comment on the air. That's all for today. Be sure to visit www.courageoustheology.com for weekly Friday blog posts. Also, stop on by the website and sign up for our mailing list. There will be more goodies coming out to our subscribers soon, so be sure to get on early. And honestly, at this point, if you aren't already a subscriber, what are you waiting for? Sign up for the mailing list now. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and CastBox. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Courage Theology and Instagram at Courageous Theology. And be sure to head on over to iTunes after you subscribe to leave an honest five-star review and a nice comment. I truly appreciate any and all feedback. Until next time, fight for the faith and strive to be courageous in all things. Toodaloo! No, go ahead. No, I'm laughing because you're like, oh, now we're back. We didn't take a break. <laughs> well, that gets that's that's the that's the magic of post production.